0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Spirit Room podcast. I'm Melissa White and I am here today with my very special guest, Allison Voth, who is a legacy grief coach and she has so graciously agreed to come and to share a bit of her journey and a bit of her story with us. So welcome Allison. Thank you so much, Melissa. Uh wonderful to have you and I would start by telling people that we met because I was hosting a spiritual retreat a few years back and you were a participant and I'm really pleased. I'm so happy to have you here to share with our listeners what has transpired for you since that point, you know, since that retreat. Wow. Do we have a couple hours? Because uh, it's, it's
1: been amazing. a lot. <laughs> I know it's been, um, so that was about, that was just over three years ago. And I was going through difficulties in my relationship at that time. We actually broke up that weekend. Um, and my intentions for attending that retreat was to learn how to use my intuition more and trust it. And it has expanded just so far beyond anything I could have imagined. Um, and, and that's led me on my journey to becoming a grief coach after loss, um, I attended your retreat as well because I lost my dad to a sudden death two years prior to that, and uh, I was still I was still in a lot of pain and struggling with um, going on my healing journey, so to speak. But that was really a pivotal moment for me. That uh, retreat, the people I met, and the wisdom that you shared with me from one of your readings. Um, and so much more. So it really opened the door to my new life after loss.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember. I remember feeling like, wow, it was so seemingly orchestrated by spirit that you ended up there because, like you said, you just had the broke up, break up like that that weekend, and then mm-hmm. you know, this this retreat had been planned in advance. So it's almost like spirit had kind of. Uh, placed you there, you know. So that was really interesting. And what would you say? Like, I know it's the passing of your dad that really started your journey with grief. But can you tell us a bit about that? Like, how how that was for you, what you felt, and the experience of losing your dad? Yeah, sure. Um,
1: you know, it's interesting talking about it now because I just don't feel as horrible as I did of course, when it first happened. Um, my dad and I were best friends. We were like two peas in a pod, and he was my everything. He was my rock. And he passed away, unfortunately, of a, well, fortunately, in some ways, of a sudden death on his birthday in his sleep. So he kind of had a beautiful blessing of just transitioning easily like that. Um, but it was an absolute shock to the system and a shock to everybody because it wasn't expected he wasn't sick and it just was boom done gone right. um so with grief i mean there's always going to be that shock uh and being disoriented and feeling numb um i experienced all of the above and I had a lot of responsibility. I was executor with my brother, and we also ended up having to sell the family home um, because we couldn't afford to keep it. So um, a lot of things happened after the death as well. And in terms of the emotion, um, grief being such a heavy emotion, I literally, I really did struggle. Um, It was just so heartbreaking. That I remember I just could barely breathe some days. I would just be choking, crying, like, and just like gasping for air because I was just so upset and it really shook me to the core and almost was, well, it, I would say it was the catalyst for me asking deeper questions within myself, like, what is the purpose of life and who am I? Um, because who you are with that relationship is not who you're necessarily going to be after the relationship is gone from the passing of someone or even the breakup of a relationship. Um, so it, I struggled for a couple of years, absolutely. And, um, so it was definitely a very transformative experience as well, um, you know, in good ways and bad ways. So.
0: Definitely. And I mean, I think that there, you're right. The shock, there's, there's shock when it happens suddenly like that. And then I find even with people who say, you know, know that it's coming, you know, that they're, you know, they have a, an illness and it's a deterioration over time. I find that even after that, when somebody passes that way, they're still shocked, you know, because it's so hard to fathom. It's so hard to believe that they could possibly be gone, like that they're just not here physically anymore. Like it's so, I think, difficult for our minds to comprehend that. Um, But certainly, yeah, you're right. I mean, from his perspective for your dad, um, to be able to close his eyes and literally wake up in spirit you know that that is a blessing for him um but from yeah from the point of view of everyone left behind I feel like that shock really kind of amplifies or kind of compounds like what's already a horrific situation you know like a difficult difficult thing to go through um, yeah so to not have had the last chance to have a goodbye or to not know that the last conversation was the last one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I talked to my dad the night before. I was like, "Hey, when are you picking me up tomorrow? Because uh, we had plans to see Cirque du Soleil on his birthday, mm-hmm. and that was one of our things we had been doing for about a decade. Was every time they came to town, that was our thing, and this time it was special because it was actually on his birthday. Um, and he just didn't arrive to pick me up, and that's when we found out that he was still at home in bed. So, um. And actually, it's a very good point you talk about, even if we know, like, somebody has a degenerative disease, and or is going to end up in palliative care, uh, or whatever the case is, like, for example, my mom has Alzheimer's. And so I know it's like having the longest goodbye, because dementia is often referred to as the longest goodbye. Mm -hmm. And so the interesting thing is I had no goodbye with my dad and I have the longest goodbye with my mom. And although I'm preparing for that and I'm caregiving and doing all of these things, um, I know that I'm, it's going to hit me when she is gone because there's a real, it is, it's a physical loss and it's different. And not everyone, I shouldn't say that. Not everyone actually because um, we'll probably talk about that a bit later is everyone can connect, stay connected, um, you know, to their loved one. And, but, um, but it's, yeah,
0: it's definitely a shock. It, it, there's no lie with that, you know? Yeah. It's, it's absolutely sobering, you know, it's just like this, yeah. this amazing, like uh, in, indescribable kind of feeling, you know, that, that I think, in many ways is so universal and it does really bring us together because everybody at some point will experience loss and grief. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's part of the human experience. And I think one of the toughest things that we have to endure and go through and, and learn. So the fact that, you know, you've, you've gone through that loss and then you're now helping other people with loss and grief, I think is absolutely incredible. Um, what are some ways that you can, that you honor your dad's memory, or can you tell us a bit about your dad, you know, just sort of like give us an idea of what he was all about. Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: it's uh, always a joy to talk about him because he was, uh, he was a really humble and gentle spirit. Um, he was very patient. He had unmeasured patience for almost everything that he did. He had a great work ethic. Um, he really sacrificed a lot for his family us children. I have two older brothers. And he was just like that solid rock, you know. Um, and he really instilled in me, we had a very simple life growing up. We didn't have a lot of money, Um So like a vacation for our family would be going camping um, and him and I did a lot of walking and he did a lot of hiking throughout the years, um, cycling with him. And so he really instilled in me that love of nature and that simplicity. And so the best way that I can honor him is to embody those amazing qualities, you know, patience, kindness, gentle, humble. Loving, supportive, and connect with nature. Um, that's when I feel the most connected to him. Cause I know in spirit, he's probably enjoying a walk in the forest with his dog who passed many years ago. And, you know, um, I also have a memorial bench for him in one of our favorite parks. Aww. So sometimes I just go sit there and I talk to him. And sometimes I usually have a little cry. Yeah. And it's just very therapeutic because. I have a lot of memories in that park with him and it was just, it was just so beautiful just being in nature. So
0: that's the best that I can do to honor him and stay connected with him. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. And it reminds me of that. I think we talked, we've spoken about this before, but really being the things that we love most about the people that are gone, you know, and I hate to say gone cause they're actually really not gone, but physically gone. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's the highest honor. You know, that's the most amazing thing that we can do to honor them is to really embody those things that they, you know, the, their best qualities and also, um, live to live this life, you know, and to really enjoy it and to make something of it because that's after speaking with, you know, so many people in spirit that's literally what they want most for us. You know, they want us to live. Um, so yeah, I think that you're, you're doing that beautifully. Oh, thank you so much. I do appreciate
1: it. You know, and I never expected this. I, this was not on my radar to become a a grief coach and, but I, you know, started to listen to my intuition and that is intelligence coming from your heart. And Mm -hmm you know, I just feel so humbled and grateful because my dad let helped lead me here too uh, through these difficulties, even my mom in her own way, Mm -hmm. whether she's conscious of it or not, um, is teaching me more about how to be present in the moment and enjoy it before it's gone. Cause you're right. It's just like, life is like a flash in the pan. It's so quick. Um, and, uh, embodying the best and doing your best and, um, you know, helping others, I think is the way we can build our new future is not to be in competition with each other, but to collaborate and connect
0: and cultivate these connections with each other. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautifully said. Are there any ideas about grief out there or misconceptions about grief that you would like to dispel (laughs)
1: um well i think that time is one of those things that we feel we're bound to time to heal Um, but time is really just an illusion Um, nothing is linear and so i'm sure you're familiar with that speaking with or connecting with spirit and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um it's interesting how we can let's say, for example, I, it's been over five years since my dad passed over. And yet, I can look at a photograph and be so connected in that moment and feel those emotions of that experience. So I think if we limit ourselves to thinking that it's going to take, I don't know, I mean, I've heard even professionals say it takes five to seven years to overcome grief, you know, and I don't feel that that's, Truth. I I really don't think that we're chained to the wheel of time to heal because there's always going to be some level of grief while we're living. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is again, like you said, part of the human experience. And so, without the polarity of grief and love, which in essentially you're grieving a love lost, Mm -hmm. um, we wouldn't know the difference. And so I think time, you don't have to wait for time to heal. Um, Every present moment is an opportunity to connect with your loved one or with yourself, with your heart, and to share that with others. And that is timeless.
0: I agree. I agree. And I think, too, it's so unique and so different and for each person. So it depends, I think, on that person's, you know, that person's choices. Um, That person's also, you know, it depends on their uh, life experiences up until that grief, and then also what kind of support they might seek uh, during that grief, and all kinds of things, their spiritual beliefs, their spiritual path, you know, so there's so many different factors. So yeah, I think you're right. I mean, time, really doesn't have a place in the the grieving processes. And it's not even something that I think you could say, okay, yes, I'm complete now. Like I've completed. Yeah. My, like that will never in my, yeah. opinion, I don't think. So,
1: that will, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if someone says to you, well, it's going to take five years to feel better, you know, I mean that, then you're just kind of like, what's the point of getting out of bed if someone tells you that, right? It's kind of like giving someone a, a terrible diagnosis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And mm-hmm. so, grief isn't something you have to live with like like a like an illness or you know a, a diagnosis like that. But um, and and you may feel better in six months, and that's okay. You may feel better in three years, and that's okay. You may feel better, and and just it, exactly, it's so unique to each person's individual journey, and and their their process um, that you just can't put a time stamp on it. That's mm-hmm. where I'm coming from. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I totally, I totally feel that to be true. You know, it's, it's so, and also I think that especially with the people that we, we love and they're in spirit, I think no matter what we'll always carry um, that grief and it doesn't mean that it has to be, all consuming or that it stops us from anything. But that grief, I think remains. And it's just like this, this thing that you don't actually get over, but you learn to uh, live in a different way because of it, you know, so it's sort of like a, a transformation um, that, it, that takes place. But that little, that little piece of that grief, I think, um, can't, it can't ever go, but it's, it becomes a part of you. And and in a beautiful way, you know, you can make it something beautiful.
1: Absolutely, you can make it something beautiful and transform and learn um, how to discover more of yourself through the process of living a life beyond the loss. You know, or just some people, unfortunately, I've even met people that even 10 years later, they're just stuck and they Never really got over it, and I don't even like the word "getting over it" because I'll never get over missing my dad, or you know, feeling sad that my mom has an illness that I can't help change mm-hmm. it. I can't. Um, so, it's really how we show up um, for ourselves after that is going to make all of the difference to make a transformation.
0: Definitely. What would you say would be some tips that you could give to people, say people who are listening and are grieving right now? Like they're in the thick of it, they're going through it right now. Honestly, the best thing, best advice that I could
1: give you is to just be patient and gentle with yourself. Because in the beginning, when it's very raw and very real, um, thinking about how I felt then. Um, if, if you, you know, need to take time for yourself and you need to nap half of the day, like I remember days where I just wanted to lay in bed with the blanket on me and, you know, and that's okay. It's part of the healing process. So being kind and gentle and patient with yourself. There's no expectation. And actually... One of the damaging pieces of advice I think that people give, and maybe not, and they don't mean realize that they're doing it, but is uh, to tell someone to stay strong. Um, right. It's okay. All of the things that you're feeling is normal. And so just allow yourself to have time to carve out, to experience it because you can't get away from the experience. Um, It's a process. And so if there's anything you can do that helps your environment feel more comfortable, you know, um, to help soothe
0: yourself in a healthy way, just be gentle and loving with that every day. Mm, I think that's great advice. And without guilt, you know, like you're saying, give yourself. Because I think what I see is a lot of people who are, doers and they just are used to go, go, go. And then they get hit with this grief and they start to feel almost like depressed and kind of, um, down on themselves because all of a sudden they aren't productive the way that they used to be. And I try to tell clients like that, that's because you need this. You need to be able to slow down. You almost need to Sometimes people, certain people need to feel depressed. That's the only way that they can slow down. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> physically have to be made to, to either like something physical happen to them or something like a depression where they have to then really like sit with their emotion and be able to be still and just kind of rest um, and, and allow themselves to be tired and allow themselves to just experience that. And it can feel like you're crawling out of your skin, it can feel very, um, abnormal to do, but I actually do find that that time spent, you know, in that way you are regenerating, you are kind of like, um, building up your energy again, you know, so there is a purpose to those times where you need to sleep and you need to just rest. I think those are really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And part of that is listening to your body. And for doers or people that may, um, part of covering up uh, grief or those painful feelings is uh, workaholic um, and just throwing yourself into your work because it's keeping you busy. And, um, you know, that over time can be a coping mechanism that's unhealthy. So listen to your body. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is painful and heartache is real. You know, Um, like for example, one of the things that happened with the sudden death um, when the police came um, is victim services gave me a wonderful handmade uh, quilted blanket from the volunteers with victim services. And I felt so overwhelmed with love and I just laid in bed with that Beautiful blanket on top of my bed, and then I had my dad's vest that was from his. Uh, it was always on the chair at the kitchen table um, mm-hmm. if he wasn't wearing it, and I put the I put the vest on top of that blanket. Yeah, and I just so I felt like I was hugging him and just laying there and feeling that um, that comfort. So you know, just listen to what your body needs because that's what it needs to process the emotion, and so if you have to build a little
0: cocoon like that, <laughs> um, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think literally it's like whatever you need to do, like, however you can give to yourself anything, something that, you know, is going to be soothing and comforting, um, that you can hold on to, you know, I think that yeah. then now's the time to do it, you know, when you're in that space and you're, I think in many times it's such a helpless feeling because there's nothing that you could do to bring that person back. There's nothing you could do to change what happened. And so you're left with this very um, real feeling of, okay, this is, this is now a different life. This is now yeah. not the life that I once led. And so it, it's shocking to the system. And I think physically physically, people do experience physical pain during grief as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, So
1: you know, absolutely. I just want to touch on that, what you said, because I've been through this process. It was awful. I, you know, and I actually never thought that I would feel better. I was just so overcome for, I mean, if I I go back in time, you know, he passed away, it was uh, mid-November you plan this, the service, the funeral celebration of life, you're, you're inundated with cards and flowers and family and friends. Um, maybe not now, which is actually another form of grief with the pandemic and not having that connection, um, yeah. can actually, um, cause a little bit more trauma, but, um, and then, you know, cleaning up the house and dealing with accounts as executor and then it was Christmas and then, Um, I took as much work off as I could possible, but I was new on a brand new job that I'd worked many years for, um, at the border as a border services officer trainee. Right. And I went back to work and I wanted to make sure I was good because I was responsible for a firearm and I had a big job to do. So, um, I went back, I was doing really good. Um, I actually came back with such I don't know the word. Um, I was doing so well that my um, supervisor actually didn't want to hold me back from that time off that I had. Mm -hmm. So, um, But about seven months after his passing, I met someone. I was in that relationship. And I didn't really have the time to slow down and really be there for myself. Right. And listen to what I needed. Um, and so on some level for at least a year after his passing, I was still in deep lamenting, even though my life was going well. Um, I met someone. I was having a good time in a new relationship. I had bought a new a home for myself. I had a condo. Um, but being able to look back now, The opportunity to give that time to myself came long after the fact. Because after about a year, I realized it doesn't matter how much I lament. He is not coming back. It doesn't matter how much I love him. He is not coming back. And I had to move on because I realized, you're right. Just like you said, it's a new life. It's not the same. But I'm going to do this. And that was really the beginning of me um, investing in myself. And another form of grief, which can compound other grief, is when you have a relationship breakdown or lose a job or the pandemic, all of the stress, um, you know, it can almost, it, it does on some level can bring back those original feelings of losing someone. And I experienced all of that too, when my relationship uh, ended and um, I wanted to mention this because it's really important. So um, during that relationship though, at some point I knew I couldn't continue with my work and I, I took a year off Mm -hmm. and, but the interesting thing was I ended up, throwing myself into that relationship, just like a workaholic would throw themselves into the work. Mm -hmm. And so because I didn't give myself the proper um, self care or attention to my needs, and just focused on sort of someone else's needs and the relationships needs. um, I didn't really begin to heal until after that relationship ended. So I wanted to mention that because it's a really important piece that masking the pain with maybe even the distraction of a relationship, uh, whether it's a healthy one or not, um, you know, it doesn't change what you need for yourself and learning to listen to your body and listen to your intuition and trust your heart and cultivate that connection within your own heart, I think is the number one key to healing
0: and moving forward. So It took a little bit long time to explain, but no, I think that's a really valid point. And so often we do will, we'll distract ourselves with work. We'll distract ourselves with um, other people, uh, relationships, children, um, being of service to other people, even Mm -hmm. even though that's a beautiful thing to do. Mm -hmm. I find with, Empaths and all the, you know, really lovely people that lots of my students and stuff are these light workers. But it can be kind of tricky because I think that sometimes we might use the giving to others and the being of service to others as a way to not have to look at our own needs, like what we actually need or what actually needs to be healed within us. And so you can get really wrapped up in you know distraction from the grief and of course lots of people do also turn to alcohol self-medication um, substance there's there's a lot of other yeah. you know ways that people do you know sort of mask the the pain that they're feeling yeah. but definitely it catches up to you you know that's what one thing that i've noticed is that yeah you can only kind of do that for so long before you either have like a breakdown or something else happens where you're you have to face it again. So Absolutely. You can't outrun the grief.
1: And that was my point. You know, I had to face it again when my engagement ended. I felt like hit by that huge tsunami of grief again, just like when I lost my dad. So um, it that was just the the catalyst really the final straw for me to see that i needed to focus on myself and invest in myself truly
0: yeah
1: um so that's the important piece and that's where i come in as a coach for people not a counselor is um people that uh that want to move forward and
0: at least learn how to take that next step mm-hmm. so tell us about it so tell us about your work As a legacy grief coach? Sure, absolutely.
1: Um, So, first off, I call myself legacy grief coach because you are learning how to live your legacy after loss. And to really, truly be a legacy and to live it now instead of celebrating it when you're gone is, or when someone's gone, right? That's what we do, um, is to. work with me over my program is six weeks. Um, it's broken down into four components and these components will help you bring you back into alignment with you because grief just knocks us right out of the, you know, we don't even know where the goalpost is anymore. Right. Um, and knocks us right into the water. Uh, so we have to learn how to be in alignment with ourselves and be with our authentic self again. And that in itself is a self-discovery process because learning to live your legacy beyond the loss is learning who you are becoming, not necessarily who you were. And so there's this really great um, process we do together where we look at all the qualities, all the good stuff and all maybe the negative traits and personality qualities, of your parents or parent, and then also within yourself. And then you get to cherry pick what you're going to bring with you into the future, because those are the seeds you want to nurture, you want to plant, you want to grow that so you can share that with others. Um, And you really begin to um, through mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually um, work On all levels to heal, transform, and set a new template for your new life. So maybe you just, your goal is to just go back to work, you know, or be able to feel joy again. Or maybe you have a passion for, I don't know, doing something you don't already do, like working with children or volunteering. Um, So maybe there's a way or something that you want to cultivate to live your legacy and let that be yours. Cause your legacy looks different than mine. Right. Um, so I actually blend my heart math uh, coaching. I'm a certified heart math practitioner. I blend heart math with mindful movement, neuro-linguistic programming and integration practices. So there's quite a bit and that's why we go over six weeks um, so that there's plenty of time for you to, um, settle in and do the work together live. We do everything over Zoom as well.
0: Right. No, it sounds phenomenal. And I I really love the taking different practices, you know, different healing mo- modalities, blending them together, and then offering this, you know, to someone. And I think that there's absolutely nothing to lose, you know, by just like embarking yeah. on that Journey and investing in yourself—that is something that I find people have a hard time with. Sometimes they, they do hesitate to invest in their own healing, invest in their own soul, you know. And I, I think that that's something that each time that I've done it in my life, I've I've benefited in some way, um, and it's changed me. And there's never once that I've regretted putting in that time effort. Uh, money into something that's for my soul, you know, something that can that can be, you know, investment in my own self. So I really, I really do encourage people to, yeah, like do the do the counseling, do the grief coaching, do a reading, go for um, a healing massage, go for energy healing, like whatever it is that you can do to give to yourself when you need it, and. I mean, I won't even get started. I I feel like it should be maintenance as well. You know, so I don't think it should be in crisis, but especially when you're in crisis and you're going through grieving, like you have to be able to somehow um, make your own well-being a priority. Absolutely. And you know, you're speaking
1: to the choir here because um, that's exactly what I did. I started to invest in myself um, after, like I said, after my relationship ended. So that was a couple of years after my dad passed, you know, and I just, uh, recently been on your, uh, spiritual retreat that uh weekend for that whole weekend, which was, um, the beginning of my investing in myself and my transformation process, because all of the things that I offer my clients, um, are all of the things that I learned and that I became certified in because that's what helped me. Um, and so part of integration practices is, is, you know, mindful movement. I'm, I'm certified as a yoga teacher with the veterans yoga project and yoga alliance. So a lot of people think they can't do yoga, but you can do mindful movement. Right. And that helps the body that helps move the energy, yes. um, integrating, even if there's something else that you like to do, like for maintenance, like you say, I love going to sound baths. Mm-hmm. Um, and so i just do them online right now of course but um you know find out like that's what i mean about self-discovery um and you know therapy traditional therapy might work for you too there's nothing not saying there's anything wrong with it because Mm -hmm. i did emdr therapy in the beginning and uh i found in the end um i wasn't going to continue with it but Mm -hmm. uh all of the things that I've cultivated and blended into this program is everything that has helped me uh, tremendously. So um, I know that you will feel better. I know that you will live a life after loss. I'm living proof I've done it and it's a journey and it always, it never ends, you know, it continues. And I'm just really grateful and I want others to feel that gratitude as well.
0: Yeah. And such a fulfilling Thing to do because I think to be able to watch people, I feel it. You know when somebody has a reading and and they didn't they didn't believe or they didn't know they might have wanted to believe but they they couldn't um, believe that their loved one was going on. You know that they were living on and that they were still around them and they still uh, know what's going on in their life. Like that realization and that sort of feeling of that other person when they kind of have that relief. I think that's such a, that's such a fulfilling feeling. That's such a rewarding type of feeling. And I, I would, you know, um, I, I feel that you would also experience that, you know, when you see somebody from the beginning of your time together to the end, the difference, you know, the difference in how they feel or the difference, how they're, they're looking at their, their grief. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it's, it's such a joy because, you know, I don't even like to say the word clients because I, you know, it's cultivating heart to heart connections with people, my global family, like we're all really soul family on some level. So, mm-hmm. um, it's really just giving someone the tools that I know that has helped me. Because going back to the beginning, I never thought I, and I never even thought I would feel better or even be doing what I'm doing today. And so allow yourself to be open to the unknown. Um, I know. We think of the unknown as being very scary, but learning to explore the unknown within yourself, investing in yourself, whatever that looks like, even if it's just buying a book and reading a book um, or it's with a coach or whatever, all of the different things we've described and so much more, just learn to trust the unknown because that is where your soul and your heart is going to speak to you and you're going to know what, you know, what's the next step to take and you're going to trust it. And that in itself is just so beautiful to witness in people as I've witnessed it, you know, on my own journey and created this whole new life. And um, so it's really just, you're right. You, I think you mentioned it before. It, There's never like a non reward, like you're not going to lose anything. <laughs>
0: you have absolutely nothing to lose (laughs) you know i that's the way i see it and i think it's true this um this feeling that uh when nothing is certain anything is possible and that's like that's such a truth like even in the most like darkest most difficult challenging times there is a certain amount of unknown and that can be such that's such potential that means that like Literally, things are shifting. Maybe things have crumbled, but that means that now there's this room for something mm. to be born, you know? So I always try to just, yeah, remind people of that. But the unknown, yeah, making friends, befriending the unknown, I think is an important piece. Mm. Oh, I like that. I like that wording. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a great way to just reframe that
1: is we actually live in the unknown every day. We don't know what's going to happen moment to moment or day by day or week by week. So, on some level we do trust it and we are creating our life. So, you know, it just, uh, it's kind of a deeper process when you're dealing with grief for sure. Um, -hmm. yeah.
0: Um, you were mentioning about, yeah, books earlier. So what are your, what are some books that have changed your life? Well, the number one book that I read shortly
1: after, um, being in your workshop, and again, of course, marking time after my relationship ended Mm -hmm. was, I started meditating, and I got into Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, which actually stemmed from a reading that you did for me, which led me to Hay House Online and finding his work on there. And then so I really spiritually guided, without really knowing it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's called Becoming Supernatural. How Common People Are Doing the Uncommon by Dr. Joe Dispenza. That was so powerful because he demystifies the mystical and the unknown and um, gives all the scientific evidence of how people are transforming their lives and healing, even from um, disease and through meditation. And they have all the research, which is really interesting, on the brain and the heart um, and the energy centers, which also known as chakras. Um, so I love that he's married science with spirituality and mm-hmm. and then um, made it more tangible in a language that's like modern. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. That book. Um, and then actually, shortly after that, I read this book, um, "A Curious Year in the Great Vivarium Experiment" by Tim Shields, who actually had the pleasure to meet personally and. I wanted to mention this book because in his book he incorporated. Um, the story begins with him receiving a journal from somebody, so he he went on a year-long travel journey and then cultivated this gratitude and intention journal, and ever since then, so for quite a few years now, I've been doing that practice gratitude and intention. So um, that has really helped me. Just a very simple tool, but his book is is amazing. Um so it's a curiousyear.com where you can find that. Oh cool. Yeah. I'll look into that one for sure. And then there's one more of course. <laughs> um I myself became an author, a published author um over the last few years in three different books and they're all published with As You Wish Publishing and they're all cl- they're all collaborative books. Sorry about that noise. Um And the latest is The Courageous Heart. And my story is the last chapter called The Diamond Inside. And I share this book with 24 other amazing international authors. It's a bestseller on Amazon. And my story goes into grief and loss and a little bit into my grief coaching. Um, But at the time, I was practicing the flow method. But I'm no longer using that method since I've created the legacy coaching program. So, but it's a really informative, informative read on my, a little bit more about my story. And, you know, our hearts are kind of like a diamond, but all the conditioning and grief and emotion really close it off or layer it. And then we have to work to um, overcome and undo those layers again to make it shine again.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I love that. That's yeah. amazing. No, that. Thank you. I know that will be helpful for people. And I find I'm always curious. I always want to know what people, what books people have read that have changed them, because I find it so fascinating. Um, amazing. Like I just yeah. feel um, really grateful that we got to have this conversation. And I know people will find this extremely helpful. How can people find you? Yeah,
1: for sure. So. Uh, my nickname is Honeyheart um, uh, because I make beeswax angel candles. So you can find me at honeyheart.ca. That's the website, mm-hmm. and uh, I have all of the info on there about books and different coaching programs and other things I'm doing. And you can find me on Instagram honeyheart.ca as well as Facebook. The Facebook page is Honeyheart Co. So um, that's my company. And uh, yeah, you, actually, I'm doing a um, a few Facebook Lives on there uh, soon. Once this weekend, it's all about angels. So if you're interested, you can connect there. And actually, um, I am launching Project Angel again for this year, which is where I make beeswax angel memorial candles. Oh, I think awesome. I think I gave you one a few years ago. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah so
1: mm-hmm. I've transformed that uh, craft into a nonprofit where. Um, people can buy one of those instead of flowers as a bereavement gift. And then I'm taking names for the Hive Honor Roll because the sale of these actually sponsors a memorial beehive. So um, I'll be announcing when I'm releasing those on my Facebook page. But you can also find out more about Project Angel on my website. And and again, it's honeyheart.ca.
0: Fantastic. Oh Well, I thank you so much for coming and for sharing and just wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Melissa. It was my pleasure. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you.
1: Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.